Well, it's good to be together. I agree with the man on the screen. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And, you know, historically, often uh, Christians would put their lives into boxes. They would have the secular part, which was to do with going to work, eating, drinking, sleeping, etc. And then they'd have the spiritual part, which was time with God, church life, and so on. But actually, thankfully, we know that there aren't those two boxes, that everything we do in life, everything, uh, has to do with our walk with God. And therefore, spiritual wholeness is wrapped up with all the things we've been speaking about uh, in this series. If we are physically low, it will impact and affect our spiritual life. If we're emotionally low, if our relationships are broken, of course, it will impact and affect our lives. So together we're going to look at a well-known passage of scripture and I'd love us to look at the prophet Elijah. If there was a man in the Old Testament known for anointing, the power of God, uh, faith, courage, it would be the prophet Elijah. But we're going to pick a story in the life of Elijah where after times of blessing he suddenly finds himself in a downward spiral emotionally, so much so that he even says to the Lord, I want to be out of here. He got to the place, and this is a prophet of God, he got to the place where he wanted to die. Now thankfully for most of us, we never dip that far, but I think it is an encouragement to be able to look at scriptures like this and recognize even the best. We'll have seasons of pressure, we'll have seasons of doubt, seasons of fear, and therefore it's important that together we learn some important principles so that with the help of the Lord, the working of the Holy Spirit, and good friends, we will make it through life. Now, all of us are wired very differently. For some, you may be an extrovert. For others, an introvert. All of us have a mixture of makeup. For some people, they have never been depressed in their lives. For others, they're on the edge sometimes of depression. And uh, well-being is in all of the news at the present time. And sadly, it's true to read of stories where people just could not face life because of various issues. And uh, mental health is a major issue. And in our area, particularly with young men, emotional and mental health is a very important issue. And we as the church want to be in a place where we are standing with, never pointing fingers, but standing with people that are going through it. And life has its mountaintop experiences for Christians, and we love those times, but it also can have the deepest of valleys. And mature Christians have to learn how to walk through both. And so I hope that this talk will be helpful to you. And uh, we're going to read this familiar passage from 1 Kings chapter 19. So we are looking at spiritual wholeness. And um, if you want a subheading, I've got two. Elijah on the run or man of God in meltdown. That's what we're going to be looking at together as we look at this passage. Now, 1 Kings 19 verse 1 says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. 
So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over, his hot, over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank and strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. I want to go through this passage and literally pull out what I believe are important themes as we're thinking of this issue of spiritual health. And the first thing that is very, very obvious in the text as you read it in context is this. Be very vigilant after times of success. Be vigilant after times of success. If you read the chapters before, you will find that Elijah has had huge successes. If you had lived and watched the ministry of Elijah, uh, you couldn't see more spectacle and more power and more anointing than took place with this prophet of God. Remember in the Old Testament, a prophet wasn't just a person that had an occasional word from God. They became actual mouthpiece for God. They spoke the word of God. And as people in the day looked at a prophet, they'd be kind of fearful because here was a man that carried and embodied what it was to speak God's word into situations. And so in the chapters before this one, Elijah has been doing incredibly well. He's been top of the game. And there are two very important uh, things that take place in the chapters before. And the first is to do with a huge battle between Elijah on his own and all the prophets of Baal. Now the prophets of Baal, they were idol worshippers. They believed in demonic forces. And here you have a courageous man of God who actually in a contest challenges the prophets of Baal with an incredible thing. He goes over to the prophets of Baal because God has instructed him to do so. That's important to say that. And he goes over to these prophets and he says, we're going to have a contest today and the God who answers by fire, he is the true God. And you can imagine all the people coming out and surrounding this. This is going to be a day of fun for people to be able to watch this incredible contest contest and so uh, uh, the prophets of Baal they they get an altar built and they put um, an animal on the altar and then they start with their incantations and their prayers to Baal and so they pray and they shout and the Bible says that they cut themselves, they start cutting their wrists, the blood is going on to the sacrifice, they're shouting and shouting and shouting 
but there's no fire. And Elijah from the wings is kind of taking the mickey somewhat. He's saying, perhaps your God is asleep. In fact, uh, in the original, um, your God is, shall we say, um, visiting the bathroom. He is taking the mickey. He is actually laughing and saying, come on, guys, shout a bit louder. Do your stuff. Cut your wrists. The God who answers by fire, he is God. And for hour after hour after hour, these pagan guys shouting, bringing their incantations, the blood is flowing, no fire. And then, really cool, I imagine, Elijah, because he's been instructed by God, and this is Yahweh, the God of heaven, God has instructed him, and so he builds his sacrifice, his altar, puts the animal on the altar, And he says, just so that everybody knows this is really true, I want you to bring all the water, and remember it's in a time of famine, bring all the water you can find and pour it over the sacrifice. Because the God who answers by fire, he is God. And so the Bible says that Elijah humbles himself before God, prays a prayer, repentance prayer, opens his heart to God, and begins to cry out to God, and then an amazing thing happens. You'd love to watch this, wouldn't you? Fire came down from heaven. The Bible says, very descriptively, licked up the water, and then consumed the sacrifice. Let the God who answers by fire, he is God. Pretty impressive, right? Be great if we could minister in the power of God in that kind of way, wouldn't it? That's the first very special thing that he did. And as a result of that, all the prophets of Baal are killed. And they're exposed for their trickery. And the one true God is exalted. The second story is about rain. You remember the story? God said to uh, Elijah, I want you to go to King Ahab and I want you to say this. Well, the, the people of God, they've, um, they've been into idolatry. God is not happy with them, and so God is going to judge the land. And so God says, go to Ahab and say this. The rain will only come at my word. In other words, when you speak stop, the rain is going to stop. And when you say rain, the rain is going to come. And so the prophet goes to Ahab and says, the rain from this moment I speak it is going to stop. When he said the word stop, no more rain fell anywhere on that land. Everything began to dry up. Day after day, no rain. Week after week, no rain. Month after month, no rain. It's like a dust. It's like dry. It's like barren. And then approximately three years later, God says to Elijah, right, go to Ahab and tell him the rain will shortly be on the way. What a great mission. And so he goes to Ahab and most people would be afraid to enter the presence of Ahab, but he goes and Ahab says, what are you up to, troubler of Israel? And Elijah says this, I'm not the troubler of Israel, you are. And he speaks powerfully into the king. 
And uh, he says, I want you to get ready, rain uh, will shortly be on the way. And so the prophet goes up Carmel and he has his servant with him. And again, you know this story. Because the rain is promised and prophesied, he still has to pray it into being. And so you will find the description of how he prays. He puts his head between his knees and he begins to pray passionately that the rain will come. And so he says to his servant, I want you to go and check and have a look because they're on the mountain. Uh, the, The servant goes to the edge of the cliff, looks over the vast Mediterranean ocean comes back and says it's all blue sky. There's, there's no sense of rain at all. So you and I might have said, could have got it wrong. But Elijah said to the servant, go back a second time. He goes a second time and then he comes back. Still blue sky, no rain. Go back a third time. Go back a fourth time. How would you be with faith? God said it, you've got to keep going. Fourth time, fifth time, sixth time. And then the Bible says the servant went out the seventh time, which is God's number. And as he looked out, this is almost humorous, in the huge blue sky, there it is. The Bible says a cloud the size of a man's hand was rising in the sea. The servant comes back. He's not so impressed, I think. But Elijah says, right, that's the sign. And he says to Ahab, go down. You'd better get moving quick because the rain is on the way. Ahab gets into his chariot. The, the sky's dark, and the Bible says, and the rain begins to come. So much so that the chariot, it's hard for Ahab to move. And then Elijah overtakes him in the power of the Spirit, pulls up his garments and runs like Superman, overtaking the chariot. I'll tell you what, that is success in the ministry. He'd contest the contest with Baal, the speaking over weather. I've not been too good at weather speaking, by the way. I've tried it a number of times over what was then Grapevine and one event, speaking and speaking. The Bible says that Elijah was a man just like us and I've reminded the Lord of that passage in the scripture a number of times as I've tried to speak to the weather. But I'll tell you what, wouldn't it be wonderful to be in the anointing level of uh, overseeing events, speaking into situations. This was a prophet of God speaking into the affairs of the eternal God. Well, you would expect that after those successful moments, he'd be fine, wouldn't you? But be very careful, be vigilant after seasons of success. Because the Bible goes on to say in verse 2 that just a word is spoken that robs this great man of God from all the anointing and all the power that he's carrying. Verse 2 says this, So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Here's just one curse word from this evil queen Jezebel, the wife of the king of Israel, Just one word, and it's simply this. This time tomorrow, Elijah, you're a dead man. Ladies and gentlemen, I think we all know this by now, but evil words carry great power. Evil words carry great power. 
And when demonic forces were on the back of that statement by that, by that evil Jezebel queen, something happened. That word started to filter through the skin of Elijah and began to penetrate his thinking and began to penetrate his heart. And all of a sudden, all of that power, all of that anointing seemed as though it evaporated before his eyes. He recognizes his, his humanity and he begins to understand that he's just a mortal man. And I want to say after periods of good things, of God's power, of anointing, be very vigilant because just one word, one issue, one thing can drag us off course and take us into a very different season. Now all of us will have our stories. I've not time to go into all of mine, but I do know something about this. You know, in the 90s, I remember going into a place called Pittsburgh and praying every night, every night, every night. Uh, the, the people that gathered, hundreds and hundreds of people, Episcopalians, Church of the Nazarene, Pentecostals, new churches, Anglicans, they all gathered for citywide crusades and I spoke every night, every night and the power of God came and sometimes we had hundreds of people receiving the power of God right into the early hours, sometimes two o'clock or three o'clock in the morning and I know what it is to have a little measure of seeing God move. I remember phoning Irene and inwardly I'm saying, you know, this is what I was born for. This is, this is ministry as it ought to be. But I'll tell you what, there were other occasions and I think we're close enough for many of you to know when we walked into different seasons when it felt as though the anointing wasn't there felt as though God was a long way out here and there were things that we began to face that there were times you get up on a Sunday morning and you never felt like being the man of power for the hour, you felt as though you, you didn't want to actually get up, let alone preach faith to people. I believe, ladies and gentlemen, that we can all find ourselves in different seasons. Thank God if you're in a good one. Most of us live in somewhere in between most of our lives, don't we? But there are those dip moments and I want to encourage us that when words are spoken, the power of life and death is in the tongue. If someone speaks a word of encouragement that you really appreciate, doesn't it lift your spirits? But if somebody says something, speaks something, again, I've had one or two experiences in my life, sometimes through letters, sometimes through comments, sometimes through phone calls. I remember on one occasion being pestered by, by someone. They even had a little mini with B-A-D on the back. It was, it was a remarkable time of being, you know, harassed and pushed and a little bit of a feel of a Jezebel there undermining and it may just be that there's somebody here and you've had past successes but you find yourself at the moment in a period where you're questioning a number of things. These are stark examples and most of our examples are somewhere in between aren't there but there are good days and there are bad days. Evil words carry great power. Which leads us on in verse 3 to this. Fear and anxious thoughts can cause us to run and hide. Fear and anxious thoughts can cause us to run and hide. Listen, here's the 
prophet known for power. Here's the prophet known for courage. Here it is, verse 3, Elijah was afraid. Elijah was afraid. You can imagine the critics. Elijah, why are you scared? You're meant to be a prophet of God. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. Fear and anxious thoughts can cause us to run and hide. You see, fear causes us to lose perspective in life. Imagination shadows can, can go across our thought patterns and we can find ourselves dipping emotionally and sometimes physically because we are very connected. Often we can cope with those kind of things when there are a few people around and when, we're, uh, you know, we're, and when the sun's shining. But when you wake at three in the morning and it's dark and it's miserable and your imaginations are running and instead of words of scripture in your mind, you you find the challenges of the enemy are speaking into who you are. The big question marks with regard to how you are and how you're doing. And this man of God, he is a prophet on the run. He's actually now a man in meltdown. The fourth thing I want us to look at is actually in the second part of that uh, verse, don't face things on your own. Don't face things on your own. Little phrase here, he left his servant there and then went a day's journey into the desert. I don't think the best place to go when you're depressed is the desert, and I definitely don't believe that you should leave relationships behind. Remember, this was the servant that had helped him in his success. The the same servant that was part of the miracle of seeing the cloud. And now, that servant who's alongside, you see, the servant of a, a prophet, they had a great responsibility. They were there to say, have a nice day. They were there to lift the spirits of a prophet. But Elijah says, I don't want anybody with me. I'm on my own and I'm going on my own, day's journey. And it says, he himself went. Well, if he himself was full of doubt, anxiety and fear, he was carrying those into the desert. He was not escaping his problems, he was escaping his help. That's a good point, actually. So don't face things on your own. Verse 4 tells us that he was on a downward spiral. While he, while he himself went a day's journey into the desert, he came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. This is the prophet that's just won the victories who is now saying, take my life, this is over. I don't want to do this anymore. This would be called, in today's world, burnout. This is where the man of God has hit rock bottom and he doesn't know how to get out of it. And I think we have to speak real when we're talking about wholeness because it's possible for people to be on that downward spiral. Sometimes it starts just with some anxious thoughts, but it can spiral down. It will affect and impact your sleep life. It will affect your physical life. And it will actually affect your spiritual life because now he is, he is now uh, facing uh, the inner things 
he is on a downward spiral into negativity and into depression. Who am I to say, but I think he's on the edge of a pity party. Nobody likes to hear that when it's to do with darkness and fear, but actually he's got into a spiral where now he doesn't want any help, doesn't want any counsel, and there's a lot of Christians that get into the place where they want to do this on their own. I believe that it's vitally important that we don't face things on our own. The fifth thing that happens here, I think, is very unusual. I hadn't seen it until I really got into this passage. It says, then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. This man's exhausted. This man is ultra tired but notice what happens all at once an angel touched him when you firstly read that you say that's what he needs he needs an injection of supernatural power he needs an angelic visitation but notice this is a power encounter this is not the power of God in an angel look what the angel says to him all at once an angel touched him and and said get up and eat well, that's not, that's not high power stuff, is it? Why did the angel say, get up and eat? Because his need was not a mighty, powerful spiritual experience. He was burned out. He needed rest. He needed sleep. He needed some good food. And who better? No Jamie Oliver, just an angel to give him some food. Imagine having food prepared by an angel. Pretty good, yeah? But the next verse says, I think this is funny. It says, the angel touched him. He gets the bread, he gets the water, he gets fed. And then verse 7 says, the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. Well, what we've got a lot of here is a lot of rest, a lot of sleeping, a lot of eating, and the angel, I believe, is instructing this man and maybe instructing us today. You can't just run forever, even in the ministry. You can't just keep on going on. That's why God in his universe has set Sabbaths and rhythms of grace and times when you have to say, I need some space in this. And I believe we have in this story a wonderful inter- interrelationship of wholeness of life of physical well-being, of getting to bed at a reasonable time and sleeping and eating. It's not all to do with razzmatazz and power. It's to do with enjoying life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it in all of its fullness. And so my fifth point is this. Don't underestimate the need for physical health. Don't underestimate the need for physical health. Historically, lots of people haven't thought about that. You know, let's, um, let's burn out for God. You know, let's do some more ministry. When actually it was wrecking a person's body and their emotional life. And if you want a long-term ministry for God, these kind of things are vitally important to get. 
and to understand that there will be seasons in your life and times when you have to step back and times when you have to say no to someone else's agenda and you have to get that intimate walk with God. I'll tell you what, we need to learn how to run our diaries, not on other people's agendas, but on the agenda of God. And so six, God wants to strengthen and bless us. John 10.10, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it in all of its fullness. The angel, remember, is a messenger of God. What's God's will for Elijah? Settle down, boy. Have some food. Have some rest. Get your grace measure right. Begin to understand it's not by might and power, it's by my spirit. Don't ever get into automatic. Don't ever think because you're a prophet of God, nothing goes wrong. Christian, don't ever think because you're a Christian, nothing bad is going to happen to you. We live in a flawed world. Thank God for relationships. Thank God for the church of Jesus. I would not want to walk this walk on my own. I do not want to go a day's journey into the wilderness on my own. I need a perspective for life with my my brothers and sisters, and those in authority over me so that I can hopefully have a long-term well-being plan as we follow the Lord. And my final comment is found in verse, uh, in verse 9. It says this, There he went into a cave and spent the night. My final point is this, don't spend long in your man cave. This is very much for men particularly because man cave as a theme is only about 20 years old. Did you know that? It's, it's where a man says, I need my own space. I need my own place. Nothing wrong with that, but don't stay there too long. And Elijah's in the cave, but it's in the cave where he hears the still small voice. And my final, final thought is this, for Elijah, it's not over. It's not over. He's going to regroup. Some of his best things are yet to happen. He's going to inputting, be inputting the next generation of kings and prophets. He's going to bring prophetic words that will re release kings of Israel and re will release the next generation of prophets who will move in double uh, power. Elisha is on the way. And so as we bring this to a conclusion... I believe that God wants you to know health, wholeness, physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially. God is for you, not against you. But my message today is a little bit of a check on how are you doing spiritually? Have you hit a dip? I'm going to ask the band to come and just join me because I think it's appropriate that we just conclude this morning with some worship. And because this is one of those in-your-face messages, I'm going to uh, give a little bit of an in-your-face uh, appeal to us today. The first thing I want to talk about is, is there somebody here this morning who is not yet trusting Jesus as their own personal friend and saviour? You know, is there somebody here who knows they need more for their life than they're living at present? Jesus came into our world to save us. He is the one that says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Is there somebody here who recognizes they've got a God-shaped vacuum deep in their hearts and they want to receive Jesus this morning? We're going to give an opportunity for that as we pray our prayer together. And then secondly, I'm going to do what we've not done for a long time. I'm going to give an appeal that if God has spoken to you through this message, through some word, 
through some thought that has come into your heart and you want to respond to it. This, you know, this kind of message is one you have to move on. Because if somebody's under a broom tree, they need a bit of a shake to get out of that. If there's somebody on a downward place that's left them in a fear zone, then I think we need some help. And so after we've prayed the prayer, I'm going to invite any that respond to that prayer to come to the front. And any who are responding to this message that I've preached today, where in your heart you're saying, God is speaking to me about my life. It's not to expose people or say you're bad. This is the prophet of God. This is Elijah. If it can happen for him, it's certainly happened for me. And it can no doubt be happening to certain people in this place. But what we do with it is what's important. And if we respond as God helps us, then we begin to get help that will bring us out of our present condition and put us back on track again. So will you join me as we pray this prayer uh, together that we pray week in, week out. And if there's somebody here that you're praying this for the first time, we'd love to know about that today. Will you join me as we pray this prayer out loud together? Thank you, God, for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that I can get connected to you now because you are alive today. I admit that I have lived my life without you and have messed up. I ask for your total forgiveness and I commit myself to you. Help me to submit my life to your teaching and direction from now on. I receive you into my life and ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. If there's anybody here, you've prayed that prayer for the first time in a meaningful way. I wonder if you'd just express that as every head is bowed. Just simply put your hand in the air and by doing that, you're saying, include me in this prayer. I've prayed this prayer. I'm receiving Jesus as my friend today, my savior. It needs a courage moment. But if that's you today and you're responding, will you just simply raise your hand until I see it and acknowledge it and then you can put it down. We do this for two reasons. You'll know you've done it, but also we can get a booklet into your hand that will help you on your journey. Anyone at all? You have an opportunity today to respond to his grace and to his goodness. And as we conclude now, I'm going to invite us all to stand and we're just going to sing through that great song. It's a wonderful song that has just got into our repertoire where it's not enough unless God is with us. And so I'd like us to stand to our feet and if anyone wants to respond, I've just instructed some people to come just simply to pray with you. There's going to be no counselling, just want to put a hand on your shoulder, pray for you. If something that I have said today, in the balcony as well, I know it's a bit tricky getting down, but will you respond to what God is saying in your heart today and just come and stand at the front and can I encourage those that have been asked, leaders and so on, to just come and stand with people, acknowledge their need of prayer and start that walk as soon as we start singing so that God can, by His grace, meet with people today. And, you know, don't say I can sort it out later. This is, a, this is a response moment now, guys. This is a response moment. Even in the balcony, 
It's a big walk down, but come stand at the front. Let God be God in your life. And let the enemy's words over your life be broken this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm calling people from under the broom trees today, out of your depressions, out of that place of bondage and fear. This isn't for everybody. My hope is that you will seal this little message in your heart for days that are harder. But I'm expecting a number of people because a lot of people come here and we don't always address it. Leave your seats in good Billy Graham fashion and come to the front. All we're going to do is sing over you. Firstly, we'll sing, if this is okay, we'll sing together. Then there's an opportunity after we've sung for people to just pray over you. And there's time for others to come as we sing. Let's sing front I'm just going to pray a prayer. This is a prayer that people have prayed over me in my darkest times. I want to snap off this stuff. Snap off this darkness that has tried to grip you. It's not all to do with deep, demonic stuff. But I'll tell you what, when it gets under your skin and when you're on a downward path, you just need somebody to say, he's not let go of you. He'll never let you down. You just need somebody to to pray and stand with you. And I'm not naive enough to know that me clapping my hands and praying a powerful prayer does the whole trick, but I'll tell you what, it starts a process. So in the name of Jesus Christ, the divine Son of God, I break off your lives this morning. Any work of the enemy, any curse word that has held you down, anything that's come down your family line, I break it off in the name of Jesus Christ. And I free you into all that God has for you. That abundant life, that life without limits, that eternal life. And I say, may the Lord bless you and keep you in Jesus' powerful name. And I speak shalom into your mind now shalom peace well-being wholeness into your mind into your heart be made whole in the name of the father the son will exalt your name and praise you forever i release you now in the name of jesus from all of this stuff i release you in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit go and live a life that pleases him don't dip out Don't give up. Don't say I'm out of here. Pick up your mantle again. Pick up your Bible again. Pick up your prayer times again. Come on, come on, come on. There's more to do. There's more to face. God is with you. He will never, ever let you go. And over the congregation, may the Lord bless you today and keep you. May we be a church that shines with the life of God. I bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go and have a great, great day and live out the gospel message in word and deed. Amen. Amen. Now at the front, just pray over people. God bless you as you go. Have a great day. Don't rush off. Don't rush off from the front. Let people pray over you. Let the love of God get into the roots of your spirit. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much.